We want to look at this subject that God has given to us today, that our new life is in Jesus Christ. In a little while, we're going to share communion together. And that communion is a wonderful celebration of the life that is ours in Jesus Christ. Before we come to that, you'll see on your notes that there's just a few things that we want to highlight today that will help us to have a greater appreciation of what this life is that is ours in and through Jesus and how we can live daily in that place of eternal life. Lucas read these verses out of Matthew 28. The angel spoke to the women. They had gone to where Jesus' body had been buried just a day or so, a couple of days earlier. And the angel spoke to the women and said, Don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. (laughs) He is not here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. Such amazing words for us to rehearse in our hearts and to remind ourselves that there are no remains of Jesus that you can go and dig up somewhere. The body of Jesus does not exist in some grave or tomb because the power of God raised Jesus from the dead. He is resurrected. He is alive and he will never, ever die. He will never experience death or separation from life again. And this is one of those truths that is central to every Christian's faith that Jesus Christ has raised from the dead. I want to draw your attention to Verses further on in Matthew 28, verses, they're in verses 11 through 15. Uh, and, and this is where we find that Jesus' body has been buried and there is fear, there's fear among some of the religious leaders. They had remembered that Jesus said that he would rise again after three days. And in order to try and protect themselves and to stop this from happening, we read that the religious leaders, they, they, they first of all set a guard over the tomb, and then when Jesus was raised from the dead, they tried to fabricate a cover-up, because the body had gone, and the, they told the soldiers, you must say that Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole the body. And we read how that these religious leaders gave a bribe to the soldiers. Don't tell anyone that Jesus has raised from the dead, but rather tell people this lie, that the disciples came, stole the body, and that's why he is no longer in the tomb. I don't know if you've ever read those words before or whether you're familiar with that or even whether you've ever stopped and thought, why was this such a big deal? Why were the religious leaders 
so intent on preventing the truth about the resurrection of Jesus from coming out. Now, of course, there, there would be some, some political issues at play. There would be the interaction between the Jews and the Romans. There were all those things happening. But there was something even more sinister, something even more dark, something even more demonic that was going on than just a conspiracy, than just a cover-up, than just lies being told. And to understand what was going on, we need to, to allow our attention to be drawn to the realm of the Spirit. Because Satan and all his hordes of evil spirits, they knew who Jesus was. And they held, Satan held, listen to this, he held within his power the keys of death and hell. It was within his power. And it was his thought, his belief, that if he could destroy this man, Jesus, if he could kill him and hold him in death, then the plan that God had set into motion for our salvation would be destroyed. And the one thing that Satan could not afford to happen was that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Because if Jesus was to be raised from the dead... The Bible tells us that death was the last and the great weapon that Satan had. But praise God, the Bible tells us that Jesus did die. His body did yield up its spirit. He said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And his physical body died. But we read how that Jesus entered into the realms of hell. And there, you should read this, he took from Satan the keys of death and hell. And the power of God raised him from the dead. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Not just his sacrificial death, but his resurrection. This, my friend, is where our eternal life is sourced from. The very fact that Jesus died, but death could not hold him. The power of death was not great enough to keep Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, in its grasp. Because he was the perfect Lamb of God. He was sinless. He was spotless. There was no legal right that the enemy, that the devil had to keep Jesus in that place of death. And consequently, the power of God raised him from dead into life. Death had been 
conquered. It is no longer that finality. It is no longer that separation between man and God. Because Jesus has overcome it. Because Jesus has taken the keys. He has now the authority over death. My friends, listen to this. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was not just raised back to life. As a man, the Bible tells us, and Lucas read this out of Romans chapter 6, he was raised into a new life. And that life was the very life of God himself. That life is eternal life. It's a new life. And that is the life because Jesus died, was raised from the dead, has conquered death, has conquered hell. He now has the authority and the right to give you and I this same life that he possesses. As a man, Jesus lives forever. His spirit lives forever. Within each one who receives Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. My friends, in just the same way as before Christ was raised from the dead, Satan had authority over death. Now Christ has been given by God authority to give life to those who will believe. The Bible says in in 1 John, and this is the promise of God, that he gives to us eternal life through Jesus Christ. It was Christ that died. It was Christ that was raised. It is Christ and Christ only who can give us eternal life. There is no other way. The Bible says in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I came so that we can have real And eternal life, it's more, it's better than they could ever dream of. Do we have any dreamers here? Do you have a daydream? Yeah? When it comes to eternal life, my friends, you don't need to daydream. You can experience it. And the life that Jesus gives us, his very own life, the eternal life of God, he says... I've come to give it to you. And it is beyond anything you could imagine or dream. And I would say, if we are Christians here today, and in in response to those words, we would have to say, you know what? My life does not reflect a life that is beyond my dreams. And I would say that you need to know Jesus. You need to let him give you his life. You need him to take away your old earthly dreams and pursuits. And let him, by his spirit, come to live and to dwell within your heart. For he makes all things new. You see, the life that Jesus gives us is not our old one simply improved. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is united to the anointed one, that's Jesus Christ, that person is a new creation. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ here today, God has made you a new creation. When you became a Christian, God's, God didn't look at you as a project to try and improve your life, to try and make you a better person, to make you a more friendly person, a kinder person, a more forgiving person. God does not look at us, us as projects. God does not intend to try and make us better people. That is not true Christianity. That is religion that tries to change the outside without affecting the heart of a man. God says, let me take your old sinful nature. Let me crucify it with Jesus on that cross. Let that old nature die. That's the best thing that can happen to our old sinful nature. It's the only thing that must happen. That it is crucified with Christ. So that it no longer exists. We are buried with him in baptism. So that we may be raised with him into newness of life. My friends, until Christ comes and lives within your heart... By his spirit, we really just have a natural existence. We haven't experienced the real, true, abundant Christ life that God has made available to us. So what happens to the old? What happens to my old nature? The Bible is very, very clear about this. It's gone. The old has gone, deceased, expired. It no longer exists. The old and everything associated with it, in, in the way God looks at it, it is gone. It, it no longer forms part of who we are. God does not associate our old sinful nature, our old sinful life with us because he sees us completely and totally cleansed, washed, made new, made whole through the sacrificial death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we hold on to the old. We don't realize that God says it's gone. We, we, it's like we almost try to resurrect the old. We allow that old sinful nature to, to influence us. And people will say sometimes, well, I still do things that are not right. I still sin. My friends, don't let that be Something which leads you to believe that you still have the old nature. It is gone. It is dead. It is buried. God has separated it. 
And he has made you a new creation and filled you with his Holy Spirit. And that is truth. That is the truth. Sometimes we think we have this this good nature sitting on one shoulder and this bad nature sitting on the other. And they're, they're, they're speaking into our mind, telling us, do bad, do good, do bad, do good. That's not how it is. We have one nature. And if we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, that nature is a new nature. It is a nature after the likeness of Jesus Christ. And that's a change, that's an exchange that takes place on the inside. Because God works in the heart of man. He doesn't come and wave his finger and say, you need to behave better. You need to behave nice with people. You need to change your behavior. God doesn't do that. God comes and says, let me take your old sinful nature. Let me give you a new life. Oh, this is, this is the abundant life that Jesus was talking about, my friend. As Lucas read out from Romans chapter 6, the old sinful nature is gone. And he says these words to us. He says, consider yourself to be dead to sin. If we consider ourselves still to be alive to sin, then when temptation comes knocking on our doors, we're going to let it in. But when we believe with our hearts that we are dead to sin, we realize that a body that is dead cannot sin. And in just the same way, there is no need for us to experience anything less than the full glorious life of God Almighty, filling and flooding our being and bringing forth the likeness of Christ through us, bringing us into a place of freedom and liberty, a place of healing, a place of wholeness, as Christ in us is formed as we believe the truth of God's word. The life that Jesus gives us is eternal. It doesn't just mean that it will go on forever. It means that. But it means much more than that. The life that we receive from God is the perfect life of God himself. He who has the Son, the Bible says, has this life. We don't work for it. We don't try to deserve it. It's not something that we earn. It's something that God gives us as a gift. And when we by faith in God receive,